Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Well, we've been in a series and we're continuing in it. I don't know how long it's going to go. I've got about another 10 or 12 messages, I think, that keep percolating away in my heart. Next Sunday night, I'm going to be interviewing a great young couple about change and uh, about what that has meant for them in the called and chosen. So that's chosen for change. I think the week after that, another interview, I'm going to be speaking with someone about uh, what do you do when God tells you something you didn't want to hear? And that's all out of the called and chosen part. But this morning, I'm going to speak to you about what we are chosen for. Now, in the days before GPS, where you could be absolutely certain of where you were anywhere on the planet, sailing ships had what they called a crow's nest. And here's a picker one for you, I think. Shows you what it looks like, the sailor up there uh, in the top of the mast. I'm just keeping on talking because I'm sure it's coming up any second now. And if it doesn't, I'll be drawing little pictures. Uh, for those of you, it, look, there he is right there. Thank you. Uh, sailing ships, they called that a crow's nest. And a lookout would be placed there to make sure that the ship was still going in the right direction, keeping a lookout for the destination to come. So today, I want us to have a crow's nest moment about this thing called the church. We called and chosen, not simply as individuals, but as a body. So let's talk about that. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Look at your neighbour right now and say, are you ripe yet? Mature. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The church is His body. Christ is the head of this body. But it's the whole body that's got to be in operation. Now, in the last 100 years or so, it has been the trend right across the church, even back to some of the great evangelists and their work and ministry. There's been a, an increasing focus on individual faith as the primary expression of Christianity. It's a bit about my salvation, that Jesus is my Saviour and my Lord. Nothing wrong with that. 
But then we talk about my calling, about my ministry. We speak about my blessing and then about my preferences. And yet the reality is that all the metaphors for the followers of Christ in the Bible are plural in their very nature. The body of Christ, the army of God, even the word church, which is singular in our language in Greek was plural. So in the original language of the New Testament, it means, it's the word ecclesia, it means called out ones, more than one. So even the word that we've taken singular means something plural. The idea of the Lone Ranger Christian who doesn't need church, it never existed in the New Testament. John on the Isle of Patmos, the Apostle John, he's exiled there, but he's still connected to the seven churches in Revelation that he gets the whole revelation about. The Apostle Paul in prison, read his letters. People kept coming and going. He kept in contact with churches that he had birthed and that he oversaw. So in other words, even in those places, there was not disconnection and isolation, but there was a plurality of it. We're in this together. When the Apostle Peter gets put in jail, it's his home church family that start praying for him. Verse 16 says the whole body is fit together. Now, let me suggest to you today that this here is what most of us think of when we say church. We think of all these bits and pieces, all kind of in the same place, all jumbling together. That's us, the church. And we think of church as something that we come to and where we're going to get jumbled up with people that are similar to us, not like us, you know, whatever. And then when it's all finished, they all just go back into their little wiggles bag or wherever else it might have been, where they come from. That tends to be the 21st century idea of what church is. But let me suggest to you, that there is not at all the way God sees the church. Not just a bunch of people who happen to be in the same spot. He sees the church like this. Same stuff. Same elements. This one even works. Can you see that? I believe that that's more a better uh, picture of the way God sees the church than anything that you and I maybe have developed in our mind. These bits here are different to those. Why? Because these bits have been put together. They have been joined together in a, actually there's a set of instructions in that box. And that therefore means that somebody designed this and somebody had to build it. In this case, no, it wasn't me. I bought the box, I bought the stuff that was in it. When I saw how complex it was, I said, you gotta be kidding. That's two weeks worth for me. So I walked around the staff, I said, first of all, Mitch, head of our tech. I said, Mitch, do you know anybody who likes putting Lego together? 
Well, there's quite a list apparently, particularly amongst the tech team. Who knew? But Mitch said, what's it like? And I showed him the box. He says, oh, I'd be up for that. Well, I came back, I'm not kidding, an hour later, and there was this. I'm going like, how'd you do that? How many people are like me when it comes to instructions, you read them after you get stuck? Come on now, just give me a witness. They're looking in the building. I don't know about online, but I know that in the building, there's a lot of hands going up. How many people are here? Let me just get a, a witness on this. How many here have ever had to go back and dismantle what you'd built because there was a part left over or something that never fitted? Oh, look at, oh, oh, God, thank you, Jesus. I thought I was the only one. Uh, there's a box of instructions. Looks a little, not quite as many pages as this. But this is a better representation of the way God sees the church where every piece belongs somewhere and every piece has got a role and it needs to go in the right place. God has an intention for you in His body. This little handle needs to go here, not up here. Needs to go there. These buttress pieces here. I guess they need to go there and not sitting up on the top. Understand this today, that when we get this crow's nest picture of what the church is like, that's what we're doing today, that we need to understand God's got an intention for you. It's not my ministry, but it's His purpose. You don't go to the peace and say, where would you like to go? Where would you like to be? But every piece goes where the master builder, where the designer has put it. That's why the, the prayer, because that's what it was, of Saul on that road to Damascus is so important. Lord, who are you? And his second statement in his prayer is, what do you want me to do? So when it comes to this thing called the church, there's a place for you where you are designed to fit. You'll never find it as long as you run around going, what about me? It isn't fair. You'll only ever find it when you begin by saying, all to Jesus, I surrender all to Him, I freely give. You'll find it when you come and say, Master, where would you like me to be? What place have you got designed for me? Every joint supplies, according to verse 16. That means that you've got something that I don't have and I've got something maybe that you don't have, but together is always better than alone. One of the first verses that I struck because I used to encounter people back, this is years ago, many years ago, 30 plus years ago. Nothing's changed. Devils really don't uh, change. They just get new jackets. And, uh, you know, people go, oh, I don't need church anymore. And I go, wow, really? And I always used to wonder why, I, I, even as a, a new young leader, I knew there was something not healthy in it. Till I read Proverbs Chapter 18, verse 1, he that isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wisdom. Why? Because there's something in our together 
that will never occur as long as we are apart. And I don't mean apart geographically. Pastor Bruce in communion a little bit later is going to share with you one of the most amazing stories I think I've heard in, well, the last 12 months, certainly, maybe longer. It's an incredible story. You've got something to give, I don't. I've got something you don't. In Luke 21, we read the story of Jesus at the treasury watching as people put their offering in. And he watched the rich man put in a lot and made a big show of it. And then he watched the widow come up and she put in just a small amount, two small coins. Matter of fact, they were the smallest coins. Imagine it's as though you could go and find in the bottom of that drawer those two one cent coins that are not even in circulation anymore. You couldn't cash them. You couldn't buy anything with them. She took those small coins and she put them in. And the disciples looking at Jesus for why are we here? He says, don't you understand? This woman put in more than all those other people that went before her. Now, Jesus was not trying to tell you, well, you know, you should be poor. You should only have a little to give. He never said the rich shouldn't give much. What he's making a comment on is not the amount of our giving, but the way we measure someone's contribution. That's the whole point of it. We measure things so differently sometimes to God. We look at maybe the handle or the, you know, the, the axle and go, wow, that's really important. But the truth is, there's probably about... Uh, 20 or 30 pieces I can pull from this that you can't even see from where you are and the whole thing would collapse and not work. The reality is it's not simply everyone that's visible that's important. Sometimes the most important are the things you can't see. But it's not a competition between the visible and the not visible, between the prominent and the lacking in prominence. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about saying every joint, every part is important, whoever you are. Here's the next thing I learn out of this entire story of Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. It says this, that the key to it all, of the body working together perfectly, is that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In other words, this doesn't work if we are just mechanically task-orientated. Do you know why I bought this? I bought this because I've got grandkids. This, which I'll take home and pull apart, and then it'll become a gift to one of my grandkids. Because the truth is that this is not just about a task or an illustration, it's always about an expression of love for someone else. When you give in the offering, I pray that it'll never just be mechanical to you. That's why we always stop and pray over it. Oh, I'm sure we don't need to. There's nothing in the Bible that says every time the church gets together, we have to pray over the offering. Why do we do that? It's because we don't want it ever to become just mechanical to you. I want you to, every time we give, I want you to be able to say, God, I'm giving this to you because I love you. But love in the Bible is not like. Like is how I feel and love is how I act. Love means building bridges, not blowing them up. 
Thank you for whoever that was. Can I just say, after being here last Sunday where I was preaching to a, a lot of seats with by faith people in them, how nice it is to, don't you love this? I love it. I love this. See, there's Yvonne and Yvonne. Two pillars of hope. I used to call her Yvonne and her Yvonne squared. And to be able to be together and banter with one another, I think it's a pretty cool kind of a thing. Love means reaching out, not waiting to be reached. Love is not about, well, hello, what have you done for me? It's about what can I do for you? Isn't that right? That kind of love is the love that makes all this work. In other words, the body of Christ doesn't operate by hierarchy, by who's who in the zoo, by, you know, what role or title. It operates by the love one has for the other. And I could embarrass some people that are here today. And I thought about whether I would or I wouldn't, but I knew that if I did, it wouldn't just be embarrassing them, it would be missing out on all the others that take place. There's a great couple in our church who... They lived quite some distance away. They were on roster a particular morning. So that already meant leaving quite early. But they knew of someone in our church family who just recently had a medical procedure and because of that probably wasn't as up to normal life and provision as they normally would. So they prepared several meals and left a half hour even earlier than they would have left to go and deliver them to someone. And I listen to things like that and I go, see, love's not what I feel. Love's how I act. I hear about people every single week. You, trust me, I hear these kind of stories. I don't talk about them a lot because they're done by people not in order to be recognised. They're done by people just because they're living this out. They're saying we love each other, we care for each other. People that are committed to looking out for one another. Many's the time Rhonda and I will be thinking about somebody and we're going to wonder how they're going. Rhonda will make the phone call and then we discover that we were just one of 10 or a dozen people that had been phoning that person, that had been reaching out to them. Don't let anybody tell you that the 21st century Christian doesn't care about other people. I would tell you that's absolutely not the truth. My experience of this church, it's the only one I know intimately. My expression of my understanding and experience of this church has been that overwhelmingly people keep reaching out. Karen, you know, a couple of uh, months ago, was that last year or even this year? Donald, we had the birthday, was that this year? We had the birthday party you put on for Chris and Di to celebrate them and all these people came together in that place and bought food and, and uh, things like that. There are other people here who knowing somebody was not able to get out. I know a couple that, and they're here this morning, who every single week went and visited somebody who couldn't get out. It's not touchy-feely stuff. I'm sure there are plenty of days they didn't feel like it. The reality is that the whole body is fit together, that every joint supplies 
but that it's done out of a spirit of love. Listen to this. I'll leave you with this. You can think about it. Love means surrounding my commitments with grace. Commitments are the structure. They're the thing I make. And I thank God for every one of you that's made commitments. You're on rosters. You're, and this church, you know, uh, sometimes people make jokes about, you know, uh, rosters. Uh, but, you know, the reality is rosters just simply someone making a commitment to be somewhere with their gift. That's all it is. But a roster on its own wouldn't be enough. Someone's got to come and say, I'm going to surround that commitment with the grace of God. I'm going to minister out of that place no matter what it looks like. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how easy it is. Because I understand that only when I do my part and I do it with the spirit of love, that that's the only way that this thing's going to end up looking like this and not like this. Amen. You're all a bit of Lego. Some of you are big green ones. Some of your little wheels, you spin them a lot. Some of you are, what in the heck is this? A monkey. No, none of you are that. We're all little windows someone's looking through. We're all that. My question to you today is, are you prepared to let the Holy Spirit make you that? Amen. And maybe he'll put you next to a piece you don't really want to be next to. Just gently rolling that one out. Just waiting so someone stops, you know. Where do you want me to be, Lord? Heavenly Father, help us today. You've got this grand design for this thing called the church. You said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. You said you're coming back for it and it's going to be beautiful in every way. So, Lord, give us a glimpse today of the plan you're working to rather than the mess of pieces that we sometimes see. God, would you help us today to see what you see about this thing that you gave your life for? You love the church. You gave yourself for it. Help us to see what you see, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, some of you that are a part of this service, either in front of me or online, in your home, your workplace, in that break room, outside somewhere, you've never said your first yes to Jesus. There'll be many yeses, by the way. There'll be a yes to His plan for your life. There'll be a yes to His will. There'll be a yes to change. There'll be a yes to giving, a yes to serving. There'll be lots of yeses. But the most important one of all is the first one where you come, you, your little piece, and you say to the Master, could you use me? I'd like to be a part of what you're doing. I want to say yes to you, Jesus. 
Lord, look, I'm a bit broken and I'm a bit messy. I've been a bit soiled by the world, by the stuff that's gone on. My mind is not what it ought to be. My thinking is not the way it ought to be. And Jesus says, just give me what you are. I'll wash you clean. I'm going to change it. I'll make you fit for my use. God, I pray for those people today in Jesus' name as they give you their first yes. Yes, Lord, I give you my life. Yes, Lord, come into my life. Yes, Jesus, be my Lord. I pray and I thank you for them in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're giving Jesus your yes, well, of course, on metrochurch.online, that little yes box is just popping up now. You just click on it. It takes you to where you need to go. If you are in Australia and you want to get it via text every day, I did this way back in the beginning just as I was seeing how it all worked. It was fascinating to me that every morning, around about 7am in my time zone, I'd get a scripture and a prayer fitted on one screen of my smartphone. And I'd get a scripture that was different every day, picked out. I'd get a prayer that I could pray to help me to learn how to talk with God. Every day for 30 days, you can opt out whenever you want, if you choose, but I pray you won't. You let God build something great in your life. It's an awesome thing. 0488826392 is the number here in Australia. For many of you that you'd prefer to get it via email or you'd need to because you're outside of Australia, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au or better still, just be there on Metro Church Online and click on that. We would love to be a part of seeing you grow. Let God show you where you need to be in His whole picture and His whole plan. Amen. This morning, we're going to be sharing communion together. Pastor Bruce is going to be leading us in that. So get ready for that, won't you? Prepare your heart. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. Would you come?